those two songs are like staples of my childhood because I used to sit behind like my mom's bass at the Lander Bar when I was like six years old, and they would just be like, "All right, a kid's fine." You just put them in the corner, give them a Coca Cola, mm-hmm. and you know I would like fall asleep at the wow. gig like behind my mom's bass. And they always took me to Rocky Grass Bluegrass Festival, Tally Ride, all that stuff. Always had a piano and instruments in the house. So when I was really little, I remember I would like go to the low part of the piano, like just bang on it and be like, yeah. "This song is called the Scary Dragon, Mom." And she'd be like, "Okay, whatever." Splash water! Splash the water over! Splash the water over! I have definitely watched people be like, alright, I'm gonna do it, and then they end up in that crevice. Yeah. And you're just oh, like, Oh no! You've not you're, seen somebody end up in that I've crevice. Seen more no, than once. No way! I saw a guy willingly just sit in the crevice. I've seen him yeah. literally <laughs> just go up and sit right in that chute. Oh my god! Boom, 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 yeah, boom, like, boom, And it's because the, the part of it is because <laughs> the way it's slanted is that they don't realize that like they didn't go over far enough so they'll start over from it and then it like just shoots them in, into it yeah. and they're like and they just oh it looks oh horrible God. so every time I'm there I'm like no go over you farther you have to splash the water go farther yeah I've splash seen people it. like sand their butt cheeks cause it was dry oh, wow. and it was hot and, and then one time like, when I was <laughs> no for real yeah and this one time I was up there and there were all these drunk like 20 year olds and I was probably 13, 14 I was up there mm-hmm. with dad and I watched this dude you know like that far left side there's like that hill that like rocky ridge up i watched this dude run down off that and jump the entire like slide from that side into the pool and he was like trying to go down on his feet that dude was crying trying crazy 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 i mean i've definitely seen people try to do it on their feet like surf down it for sure they didn't do well Right, oh, this guy like, didn't do well I'm either. Like, like, he didn't actually surf it. A busted arm or something that would yeah, suck like, so bad. Kyle Lehman backflipped off. Uh, he like shimmied down to the thing and then backflipped off, and that was pretty sick. I've seen yeah. Alan backflip off of it before. Mm. That does not surprise me. I know. In any way, shape, or form. <laughs> pretty much any time somebody's like, I've seen Alan do this thing, I'm like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I Every remember time. he jumped a car in high school, this girl's car. On his skateboard? No, on his bike. Oh. And, like, crashed on it. And, like, <laughs> fucked the hood up. <laughs> and, like, broke his collarbone, I think, doing it. I think it was <laughs> on the hood of that car. How many broken bones do you think he's had? I don't know. Seven? The, I, I was, like, very specific. Like, You're, like, keeping oh, track. Oh, yeah. Totally. That makes sense. That's amazing. Well, his ankle was bad. His collarbone. Yeah. Has broke multiple times. Mm-hmm. So do you count that as just one bone broken, or does no, that count I think, as three? I think it counts as three. Yeah, because that's mm, yeah. three shitty experiences. Right, because it's like it's not like he broke it and then kept breaking the break. It, it healed and then he broke it again. So to me, that's three different times. Right. But. <laughs> we have three minutes of content and we haven't introduced our guest. We've done nothing. Oh. This is exactly what I was hoping for. Actually, this is going to be. This is going to be an amazing episode. Um, what's going on, everybody? 
Welcome to the podcast. This is Dear Lander. We didn't see you there um, for a second. <laughs> We've just been kind of having fun. Purely Land Diego podcast, might I add. Today, or I'm Jordan, yeah. I'm Amara. Today we have a extra special guest, my dude. I love this guy. I'm so Same. excited to have him on. Quinn Sarovsky, Red Woo! Dang It in the Flesh. My man. Hell yeah. How's it feel? What's up? Uh, it feels good. We're yeah. just chilling. Yeah? Yeah. We're just posted up. Lots of things are happening. Yeah. Like what? What's happening, dude? So, music-wise, yes, I yes, got tell us everything. the album. Well, it's an EP. It's just four songs. All right. Coming out with my guys. And uh, we recorded it down at Rocky's studio. Rocky! Shout out to Rocky! Full-blown Nosy. Oh. And his studio's crazy. It's insane for Lander. That's so, so the awesome. last album, the Jupiter album, I recorded down in Fort Collins and yeah. in Jackson. And I was driving down there like every single week, spending like 12 hours down there with, uh, with Connor. He was doing all the mixing and stuff. Having one here is like so much more potential because we can just go down like in yeah. the evening and do something. So it's been super, super fun. And we just tracked it all live. Uh, we were all in the same room. Just played the songs like three times, picked our favorite take, and then I went back in and recorded the vocals. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Rocky, so, yeah, gem. they were like, oh, Rocky has a studio in his garage. And I was like, okay, cool. Some studio monitors and some nice mics and some yeah. foam on the walls or whatever. But it's like... And I walked in and I was like, holy shit. Like, he has all the walls angled at specific curvatures, you know? Yeah. So he like framed that all in. So there's a lot of dispersion. In the gotcha. sound, it's not just four walls. It doesn't bounce around like crazy. And then he did double two by fours with double sheets of drywall and insulation Dude. in between. And then there's uh, the double pane glass looking into the studio room. Mm, yeah. So you can walk around the other side, double drywall, double studs too. Dude. And he's mixing. Cool. He's mixing as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's so he has Cubase is the DAW. Okay. Which is super cool. He's got the two monitors, so you can have the waveform stretched all the way across. And uh, it was super cool, because since we did it all live, like, I don't like to multi-track, is what I learned in recording. Like, it's easier to just go in with the whole band and, like, make it as live as you can. But, like, sometimes there's mistakes and stuff. So, like, there was this one note I hit on my guitar solo that was just, like, super (laughs) sour. And I was like, I don't want to go back and like overdub that whole guitar solo, but like, I feel like I have to because I don't want that one nasty note in there. I don't know, it just ruins yeah. it for me. The rest of it's great, but that one note was like not there. So he was like, oh, I got this thing called Melodyne, dude. Analyzed the whole waveform of the guitar track, and it put each note like lined up in this grid, and it showed how you bent the notes. It had these like little lines that squiggled and stuff. Shut if you were like up. bending them or doing a vibrato on them. What? And he, we found that one note, and I was like just a half step off, and he took it and went like ding, ding, and just moved it down. And we played the riff, and I was like... That's crazy. Like, yeah, technology's crazy. Holy it's shit. It's kind of spooky, though, too, yeah. you know, like... I thought you were going to say, he's got, I got this one thing, Melodyne, I was like, is that like Salvia? it'll make you play better (laughs) can we also just take this melodyne and go i swear it'll be better oh that's okay i got this one thing melodyne the spice expands life spice expands consciousness that's what that reminds me of i don't know that what's that that's from dune 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, the, I, yes. Okay. Yeah. Have you I, seen Dune? No, I haven't. They like smoke that herb and it like opens portals and stuff. I want to read the book, but I don't have the attention span to read. Sure. And I also fell asleep a, like halfway through the movie. But yeah, there's like friends told me about it. Though. Eight of those joints. Yeah. And they're like yeah. big. Um yeah. Because Bridger Manwood. Shout out Bridger Manwood. Every episode. Every episode is <laughs> a shout out to Bridger Manwood. He comes up all the time. Yeah. He's read Love all the it. Dune books. He's um, and another Dune movie that came out in the 80s was like really, really bad because the way that the book was configured, the way that he was kind of explaining it, it's so dense. Like Lord of the Rings, like like the Silmarillion yeah. or something, the way that Tolkien wrote it, for it to be a movie, you'd have, like there's so many nuances and little details in it that it would be tough yeah. for a movie to pull it off. But this the Denny film that just came out is like mad good actually the first one's worth it it's fucking awesome i mean i only saw the 80s one and it was like cheesy and perfect 80s oh, fashion yeah. the 80s one is rough of her <laughs> uh yeah i mean, <laughs> I mean yeah I, I like love how cheesy 80s movies are though oh because that was like right when they had enough technology developed that they could start doing yeah, weird cgi stuff or whatever yes. have you seen fire and ice i haven't oh my god you guys <laughs> now that was a trip and a half joe's like it came up on our amazon it's like recently added i was like what is this crap and it's like an animated movie that is so bad and I loved it so much. <laughs> and it's on because Netflix? it's so bad. No, it's on Amazon. Oh, okay. And it's like that kind of weird, like, late 70s, early 80s, like, porn kind of, like, Like cartoon. the weird, glossy looking. Yeah, like... well, they're, like, really, like, <laughs> they look like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Right, yeah. it's like drawn like Scooby Doo, but what they're the like fuck? it's like Scooby Doo. Like, they're like really <laughs> skimpy and like so it doesn't so what age do they, well. What do they do? I don't know. Do do? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's entertaining. I, you have to go into it, it knowing that it does not age well in any way, shape, or form. But goddamn, is it entertaining? Well, that's all. Fire and ice. Fire and oh, ice. Oh my god. Okay, man. So. <laughs> album, music, <laughs> recording. Do you have a title for your album yeah. and a release date? What's the timeline on that? Yeah, so the title. So we were playing as Black Mountain Blues mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I realized there's all these other bands. There's like a bunch of songs called Black Mountain Blues. Like Janis Joplin did a cover of it. It was written back in the 40s. Mm. There's like a band called Black Mountain. There's Black Mountain Bluegrass. There's the Black Mountain Blues Festival. There's all these other names. So I was like, that's going to be confusing. So we just went back to Red Dang It, because that's what I had as the original band name, and then it was just DJing as that forever. So we thought we'd take that old name, Black Mountain Blues, and use that for the album name. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Since it's all like kind of bluesy stuff, it works. And then there's this artist. I hit him up on Instagram. <clears throat> I haven't seen if he replied to me yet. But I was going to use... Maddie Gennett. Yeah, I was going to yeah. use some of that like weird stuff where she put things into like she put her own photography into AI. Yeah. And made it like super trippy. I know you're using that for like your Dinwoody album cover. We are using that for Dinwoody's yeah. album art. It's super trippy, man. But this guy Sieber on Instagram, he lives in Laramie. And I've met people that know him. I've never personally met him, but I've been following his Instagram for years. Shout out Sieber. Yeah, shout out Sieber13 <laughs> on Instagram. I don't know your real name, bro, but you make some cool He's art. He's got some heat. 
It's like really strange, like oh my god, dude, like photography editing, but also like sometimes he paints over stuff too. That second joint, that is like yeah, nuts. This one's more like the digital art, but it just fits the vibe because it is kind of like a psychedelic rock I'm blues so excited. album thing. So not Black Mountain Blues anymore. What um, you going by Red Dang It? Yes, sir. And the title of the EP is this. I don't want so, I don't want to leak because I know a name, but I don't know if it's the name. The random happenstance configuration. No, no. This is the title's Black Mountain Blues. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're swapping the old name, making it the album name. Rad. Okay. Yeah. Word. And since that picture, yeah, the people can't see the picture, so it's like a, it's like Vitavu rocks. Yeah. With like a moon, and it's like chopped up, kind of glitchy looking. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So tell me about how you two met. Like, how did you two become friends? Obviously, you both grew up in Lander, mm-hmm. but where did the connection come in? Well, we both grew up on Bellevue. Yeah, but like, we... when we were kids, we were, like, we were just kind of acquaintances. Right. Like, just the neighborhood kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, Quinn is playing with so-and-so around the block, and so, like, I was there, too. Or, like, we were both playing in the street at the same time, so, like... I would be like, you want to come jump on the trampoline or so, probably or something yeah, like that. Just like little interactions like that. But we never really hung out when we were little, like in elementary oh, school. Yeah. Um, and I then, can't think of a specific moment. It was like a progressive, like, it wasn't like one day I was just like, dude, do you want to kick it or whatever? Yeah. Like, I don't know. We just started interacting more like on social media and stuff. Like, I know. I feel you, like you were making those those beats and rap songs and stuff posting them on spotify and i was like fuck these are cool you know what happened like, was um maybe I, he I, I have a terrible memory <laughs> dude so no worries. jordan's probably rem- jordan's memory. probably like there is actually a specific moment quinn just does not remember it <laughs> <laughs> so i can think of a couple moments i like put together an art show in laramie in the union at u-dub i it was like visual art mostly and artists could um, display their artwork and what was going on but also I wanted some musical acts too and I remember kind of hitting Quinn up because at the same time you're f- one I was like a huge fan of when like the original like the OG Red Dang It crew and I remember when y'all were recording stuff and I loved the album that was like you and mm-hmm. Jake Killebrew and, yeah. and Trey Meredith and Craig Fleur way back in high school way back in high yeah. school dude and that I- shit was garage band <laughs> And uh, I didn't have mics to track drums, so Craig bought, like, an electric drum kit, like, the cheapest, shittiest Yamaha. So it's, like, these terrible... Stock. Like, stock (laughs) sound, like, electric drums. They're fresh, though. Y'all were, like... It was cool, though. I actually haven't heard that in years. I don't even think I have. Or, no, my grandma has it. I was just in Massachusetts. She had the mm. whole discography. I was like, I can't believe you have this. Because I don't She's even... like, obviously. That's amazing. Know where it is. And then you started, like, venturing into Solo, but also using, like, the Red Dang It name. And that's when Equilibrium came out. And I remember yeah. when Equilibrium came out because... One, because I was jealous. I was <laughs> like, I was like, fuck. This dude has, like... This dude wrote his, old, his whole album. He's got May Rats um, shooting the album artwork. And you had like that the jewel, fun. you had the jewel cases too. 
for it. And uh, when you got it, it was like, couldn't pay the rent, was the first one. And to see you do that live was incredible. And that was around the same time that I was doing this art show in Laramie. And so you had came down and performed at that. Or were you in Fort Collins at the time? I was living in Fort Collins. Because I remember the show, yeah. That was where, like, Robert Bryans was there. Yep. And he He had a bunch of, like, prints and stuff. And we traded CD for... Uh, for print for print you know mm-hmm. i love trading art for art yeah i traded byron out in jeffrey city uh stopped there uh yeah. while, a while ago and was like trade a cd for a mug and he was like hell yeah said i don't have a way to play it but so if anyone has a cd player and that wants they will to, give byron yeah wants to stop in jeffrey city and hook byron up just give him sure he'll be player. grateful Shout out Byron. We that's another one we have to we must have Byron on the podcast. Yeah, we gotta yeah, talk to dude. Byron for sure. For real. The guy's a legend. I have his... definitely danced on the floor with Byron numerous times. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Good He's been answer. like you know, sometimes you're playing a show and he was the only one out there. Yeah. Like, he I didn't played care. many shows where he was like the sole like energy that I was feeding off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, this should, this is for Byron. This my show favorite. Right now. You turn around, that dude's got a gorilla mask on. He's like right there. Um, <laughs> well, some of my favorite Byron moments is when he would ask like everybody, and by everybody I mean all the ladies in the audience to dance. And if they were like, nah, he'd like find a broom or a mop. Oh yeah, and just like dance with that. <laughs> and he's a good dancer. Yeah, he's too. a really he's good dancer. Good. Like swing yeah. dancing. Or yes. Yeah. Oh dude. really? Like yeah. he can lead. Like he does the thing where like when he's like spinning around, he'll squeeze the hand that he's gonna grab and spin you with. No way. Yeah, so like, he's like front loading you and everything. Yeah, he's Yo. really good. This is like amazing episode already. God, I'm just vibing. <laughs> um, I'm reeling. Equilibrium comes out, the art oh, show. Yeah, thing we keep happens. digressing. That's the best, though. It's oh, so yeah. <laughs> okay, then, so we do the show. And then what happens after then, Equilibrium? You were like on you were on the DJ tip for a while, mostly in Denver, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Did a lot of DJing. Still do a lot of DJing. And by this point, uh, we were already kind of hanging and talking with each other. Yeah, and, and then yeah. Shocktoberfest. Dude. Oh my god, yes! Shocktoberfest. <laughs> that was, I think, probably one of the pinnacle moments. Mm-hmm. It's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back. <laughs> where Jen's scent was assembled, and there was also, like, I can't think of another moment in time. I haven't, I haven't spent, like, 50 years in Laramie or something, so I guess I don't fucking know. But I can't think of another moment in time where, like, Jem's scent assembled, and also there were other DJs. There was, like, Jack Attack and Shmika. And mm-hmm. all these dudes that were people, the dudes that came up from Fort Collins that were amazing DJs. Like, ama- there were like 20 amazing DJs in Laramie or something. Yeah, and there were like cool. entire shows at Shocktoberfest in Laramie of just these like kick ass DJs. And all of them, including like like Bill and Zach, who go like Love Taxi and Omni Vibes, who both Bill's set would sound different than Zach's set, which would sound different than Quinn's set, which would sound different than Shmika's set and Jack Attack's set. Yeah, dude. All of- it was cool. Everybody had their own little style, you know? That's so cool. And I know a lot of those boys are still out there killing it. They too. are. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Shocktoberfest was tight. Shocktoberfest was tight. That was a, a very formative, interesting time of my life. And for it to happen in that particular establishment... uh thankful for and also no, wait, it's okay was oh, that yeah. it's laugh laughable it is yeah, <laughs> it was, like, a, it was did a it funny happen place. in that like weird log cabin place downtown yes. in, like, it used Maine? to be the cowboy bar. okay yes. and then yeah. it turned into 
Shocktoberfest. And now I have right? no idea what it is. Now. Nothing's in that dude, but I like, remember. he, like, dipped out because he was, like, avoiding taxes or, like... Yeah, there was a, there was a whole from sketchy. Germany or something. There, there was, was a, like some there was a whole of... bunch of shit going on. Um, and other interesting, just like a, a very interesting petri dish of individuals that kind of like gravitated towards that area. Mm-hmm. And the first show we ever did at Shocktoberfest, we promoted the hell out of it. It was like yeah. we probably promoted for like three weeks straight, and there ended up being like two hundred people at this show. Damn. Awesome. And it was <laughs> bomb. Like the first two Gemstent shows, there was. 150, 200 people there. And it was so fun. It was crazy shit. And then Afro Man came. Yeah, the Afro Man show. We tried to get Tech to come, but like this dude, Jason, that owned Shocktoberfest, the dude from Germany, he was like a few thousand off. And so like Tech never happened, but uh, Eternal from Wu Tang Killer Bees, like came and we opened for, for that dude. And that was sick. It was an awesome... Oh, my God. That's I awesome. keep digressing. Oh, I, um, I got I, a funny story about Shocktober. Okay. Now. Yeah. Okay. So, Jubilee Days. Right? Love a good Jubilee Day. I got so drunk one year. My buddy had just moved into a different house, and I was supposed to stay at his house, you know? I left my car downtown, and I was going to go walk down to his place, and I wandered into Shocktoberfest on the way out like i somehow got separated from my friends in jubilee days so at this point i was like all alone like stumbled into shocktoberfest like some of the dj crew were thrown down i like danced around a little bit hung out and then i had an old crappy iphone and it would not like turn on properly like it wouldn't function properly and so i'm trying to find my buddy's address and i just like was just like fuck this thing and i just threw it in the dumpster I was just like, <laughs> I hate this phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bye. Just drunkenly, right there behind uh, Shocktoberfest, right? And then I ended up just wandering Laramie, trying to find my buddy's house, like ended up at a random party, went and hung out with these random people for a while, and then finally like gave up and like curled up in this lawn. <laughs> like, I woke up. You'd like, be surprised how many people I've heard curl up in lawns and fall asleep in Laramie. Dude, it's the <laughs> elevation. I swear to God, See, I've never it heard is the elevation. Lawn. I've never done anything else like that. Like that was like the only time I've gotten See, that drunk. Everybody I, I know in, in Laramie that's done something like that always ends up sleeping behind a dumpster. That's even worse. Like four different people I know have like been like, all right, well. This find a free iPhone nice. if you sleep behind the dumpster. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, oh, that's Shocktoberfest, though. Sarah and her best friend, Amanda, in Laramie, Sarah put on for Amanda's birthday like a scavenger hunt mm-hmm. and was hiding clues. And you got to understand when Sarah and her best friend, Amanda, get together, crazy shit happens. It's like they're in a sitcom. It's like an episode of New Girl. Like, absolutely uh-huh. outlandish shit happens. So they're doing this scavenger hunt. And she hid... One behind this dumpster um, across from Coal Creek. And this random guy is like reading the note. He's like, this is the third one I've been to. And so this dude is like doing the scavenger hunt and finding, he like somehow came across the clue that Sarah hid and he was fucking completing the scavenger hunt that was meant for Amanda. And they had to like barter with this dude to get the clues back. Oh my God. <laughs> crazy, crazy shit happens. There was a corridor right there in Shocktoberfest. Like if you're walking down the sidewalk and you're going towards Mizu Sushi, there's this little 
it's not quite a room, it's right outside, it's this corridor. I don't really know how to else to explain it. And that first gem scent show that we did, we were at Shocktoberfest and Tor was still in high school and his best friend Noah Pescio, shout out Noah Pescio, was also in high school and they drove down from Lander to go see us perform. And we're walking outside and I'm like, 20 minutes from going on stage or something and I get nerves. And so we're walking around outside and they're walking with me and this dude goes, oh, I gotta pee. Oh, and he like runs into this corridor and just puts a hand on the wall and goes, oh, and then the pee just, (laughs) and Tor and Noah like erupt in laughter. And all I remember saying was, welcome to Laramie boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's another, uh, yeah, those, all those stories are a dime a dozen in Laramie, I feel like. <laughs> Boy, howdy. So you were doing DJing and you were living in Fort Collins um, and you were also at Beta DJing, yeah? Yeah. As well as other spots. Quite a bit. Back when Beta was, was up and running, I don't even know if it's still open anymore. Uh, it traded hands quite a few times. Mm. Kind what, of a bummer. Uh, it was in downtown Denver. It was super cool. Like, a lot of local DJs got opportunities to play in, like, the upstairs. This guy, Chocolate Drop. Shout out Chocolate Drop. Great name. Yeah. He was, and still is, killing it down there. I haven't seen him in years, but he was always given opportunities to local artists. Just awesome. bringing them into different clubs and letting them play for a bit. So that was, like, the first time that I was able to play for, like, a real crowd like that sometimes there was like 200 people in the lounge other times you get like the 1 a.m to 2 a.m slot and there's like two people in there mm. you know but you still have fun and then you also get the experience with playing with like the club setup like the cdjs which are like the industry standard for like festivals and all that shit which i envy famous djs that get to just play off those things all the time because you literally can just like fly to your gigs with a usb drive in your pocket and some headphones oh. and like show up and like Plug your USB in and go. That's like, crazy. I know, and I'm over here hauling like my 50 yeah. pound amp around. <laughs> and Damien's got his car full of his drums. Yeah, yeah no, Danny no, no. has a ridiculous <laughs> bass amp. Like, he only turns up to two, I'm sure, because it would it blow the good last night. Oh, that MPEG is. What made you, what like prompted you to come back to Lander? And was that tough for you? Because. You were in FOCO, and I remember at this point, like, this is before Jupiter Drop, you were um, kind of debating, no? About, like, actually coming back to land. Yeah, about where to stay, you know? And that's one of those choices you make in life where it's, like, such a a crazy fork in the road. Uh Like, I wonder, if I had stayed in Fort Collins, I wonder what my life would be like. You never know. But I like the life I have up here now, too, so I'm not complaining at all. Like, yeah, it's like one of those things where you make the choice and you slightly regret it when you do it, mm-hmm. and then you grow into your life here, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, this I mean, it's great. Like, I've been all over the country, and like, there's not a lot of places in America that I really find like aesthetically pleasing that I would want to live. You know, lots of places are fun. Yeah, but like, and it's flat and blah blah blah. And Colorado's really cool, but I was spending so much money on rent and stuff living down there and like the demand for jobs was so high because it's a college town so they can just like rake college students over the coals for like shitty wages yeah and then like if you're down there doing that too and then just like the saturation so like i'd play a lot of these shows and stuff but i would like i'd never get paid for them really a couple of them i would 
I got a couple little niches and stuff. But for the most part, like all the producer or all the promoters that are promoting the show, like they're not making that much money, if anything. The DJs aren't making that much money. Like everybody's trying to get their name out. It's like a scramble, you know? Mm. Yeah. I came back here for a little bit to hang out and I got a job over at these apartments back here, which mm-hmm. was like it's like four hours a day and like crazy good hourly wage. Because it's just like doing labor, skilled stuff, plumbing, electrical, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I kind of developed those like trade skills on the side. And I'm still making like more than I was making in Fort Collins working full time. Just working half days. And then in the afternoons, it's like that time's so valuable to be able to play guitar or play piano, make music. Like take a nap if I want to. Like play some video games mm-hmm. if I want to. That's like what ended up sticking me here was just like it's so much easier to live up here be able to focus on all the things i want to do like i'm my own boss all the time like yeah. Yeah. fly by the seat of my pants i don't have to answer to anybody like play music on the side dj on the side take naps on the side i like mm-hmm. you know i got and my own life up here you actually get to live i yeah. think that's like one and of we the got we have 20 Lander. acres up baldwin creek yeah like and like yeah, man. I got an elk in the front yard last year, you know? Uh, my my right. buddy, Ross, he got two whitetail out there, you yeah. know? There was fishing out there. We were catching tadpoles the other day. Oh, like, fun. I love it up here. And Fort Collins, Colorado, all those places are, you know, four, four and a half, five, six hour drive away. Not too bad for a weekend. Can go down there and still see the homies. But I'm just way more relaxed up here. What are, um, like, DJ-wise, house music-wise, or, like, your singer, songwriter, like, folk, what has been some of your most memorable shows? What stands out? I mean, some of the DJ shows, I have to say, have been some of the funnest. But there was also one time when we were playing at the Lander Bar with the band, and we played a cover of that put your head on my shoulder mm-hmm. and the whole crowd was going <laughs> oh wow and that was like <laughs> yeah so that cool. was a big boost of endorphins i was yeah. like this is fucking tight but there have been some really cool dj shows too i remember one time at beta it was like packed upstairs there's this mix i do where i take a, an old jazz song fade out of this one dubstep drop it kind of comes in as that walk and bass yeah and slowly build it up into this other like like uk dubstep style minimalistic dark sounding dubstep and uh that hit and there was a a light guy that would sit next to you and he'd kind of like read the vibe and like change the lights the music that transition was like the crowd reaction was like one of the coolest things really like when that song hit that mix everyone was just like Oh, you know? Oh, that's amazing, dude. And the lights change just to, like, dark blue, you know? From, like, a oh. yellow-red, which is like... It was dirty. Yo. And then I had so many people come up that were like, I've never heard anybody play a jazz song in this club before and, like, mix it into something like that. I'm such a multi-genre kind of guy. I love finding those weird... Things like there's a cool mix, uh, Romans by Mozart, and you can mix that into uh, Air Raid by Flux Pavilion. Like, and it sounds, it's kind of funny, 
you know, people are like, like you hit some break in a song and slowly it's like these violins coming in and everyone's like, what the fuck? And then like 30 seconds later, it's just this like dirty dubstep coming in. That's the kind of shit I love mm-hmm. finding, you know? Yeah. yeah, man. So there's uh, lots of moments like that that are the most memorable. I don't know. I guess I'd have to say DJing. It's so much more like up and down. Like playing a show, it's like, man, that was a great show. I fucking loved that show. But, like, DJing has those one little moments where the song hits or it changes and the crowd reaction is always just, like, so priceless. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So talk a little bit about how you got into music. You know, what was that like being in Lander and, like, learning about all these different genres? How'd you get into it? How'd you get DJing? It's I been mean, a lifetime process. <laughs> like, obviously your dad is in music. Yeah, so, like, it's that been makes like, sense. But... It's been, like... My whole 30 years of existence. Like, the first music festival I ever went to, I was five months old. It was Tallyride Bluegrass Festival. So I was raised on bluegrass, obviously, from my dad and my mom. And they played in the Johnsons. My dad's in low water now. Like, Which is also how Quinn and I know each other. Because yeah, mm-hmm. Joe is also is in also low water, water and also played in the Johnsons. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, and uh, also the Johnsons, they used to play a lot of Ted Ferguson songs. Yeah. So, like, last night at the oh, gig, um, I love Dear Dolores, and I love the beer song. Those two songs are, like, staples of my childhood, because I used to sit behind, like, my mom's bass at the Lander Bar when I was, like, six years old, and they would just be like, all right, a kid's fine, and you just put them in the corner, give them a Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. and, you know, I would, like, fall asleep at the wow. gig, like, behind my mom's bass. And they always took me to Rocky Grass, Bluegrass Festival, Tallyride, all that stuff. Always had a piano and instruments in the house. So when I was really little, I remember I would like go to the low part of the piano, like just bang on it and be like, this song is called The Scary Dragon, Mom. And she'd be like, okay, whatever. And then I would go up to the little tinkle keys up top. This is the beautiful princess song, you know. So yeah. I was doing that shit ever since I was a little kid. And then uh, got piano lessons, learned a lot of classical music, got into uh, middle school, and then it was like, yeah, fuck music, dude. I want to just like play StarCraft and Halo <laughs> 3. And um, <laughs> like, didn't do too much with it for a while. Just mm-hmm. like gamed pretty hard, which I still game super hard. Diablo 4, super tight. Diablo 4, World yeah. of Warcraft. I haven't been playing too much WoW. No, not just a lot of WoW. Right? I would love to. I just don't have the time. But yeah. one of the greatest games ever made. Mm-hmm. There's a reason it's so addicting. But uh, then in junior high, wasn't super into music. And they had like the electives that you had to take in eighth grade. And I had used up like all these art ones that I'd done. So it was between like home ec and choir. And I was like, fuck me, dude. <laughs> like... <laughs> Or, like, home ec cooking and choirs. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just take choir, you know. I sang when I was a little kid in choir, so I'll go in there. And there was, like, so many girls in choir, dude. Mm-hmm. And so I would sing my heart out, you know. And then I had my old piano knowledge back, so I was like, I'll play some piano. And this girl I really liked was like, oh, wow, you can play piano? Like, that's really cool. And, like... So, I mean, gotta I give it a shout out I rem- to, the, to the girls, I guess. That uh-huh. I remember you saying high. that, dude. Yeah, I remember you saying that you, um, like, you kind of were doing, the, like, you kind of jumped back into music to, like, 
To impress girls. To impress like, girls up, a little yeah, bit, yeah. Junior high, yeah. I was trying to impress girls. Well, yeah. Um, Once you figure out how to lean into it, you're like, oh. And you but ended up like, impressing the dudes, the bros, like, <laughs> like me, too. Right? But I was like, oh, I, don't, I can impress my bros with my sick no-scope on Halo 3. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> my sick boom headshot with my noob tube. Yeah. Oh. There's a... Uh, a lot more work you have to do to impress the girls, I guess. So mm. as a teenager, I was like <laughs> definitely motivated by that. And then I don't know, just had like a natural knack of writing songs on the piano, and people would compliment me on it. So I liked the ego massage, I guess. So I just kept doing it. And then I wanted a band. I had my dad show me guitar. He tried to get me to play bluegrass, of course. But I was like, fuck you, Dad. I'm going to play Blink-182 and all kind <laughs> all trio. small things. Yeah, we used to play, like, all that pop punk. Oh, that was, like, the original time, evolution. Though. That was the Red Dang It. Yeah, yeah was the a lot original of... Red Dang It was, But it was like, good, too. I liked it. Kind yeah. Of good. yeah, some of them were fun, you know? Yeah, it was uh, very good. I still have some, like, weird recordings of those that I made back when, like, Craig and Jay Killebrew and Trey were playing with me. And we went through a lot of, of bassists. So it was, like, me and Craig originally... And then, like, Nick Robinson was on the bass. I had to, like, teach pretty much every bass player I ever had up until Danny, like, five years ago. Yeah. You know, like, all through high school. Like, I didn't know a bass player. But I was like, well, we're just playing. So I was like, here, just play these two notes or whatever. And I'd teach my friends. And I would just cycle through them. We got Trey Meredith on for a really long time. And that was like the the core of Red Dang It back mm. then. Everybody went to college. I didn't want to go to college. I was like, I'm gonna waste money. I hate school. I like I barely graduated high school because I would get A's on the tests and I would never do any homework. Mm-hmm. I was just like a sponge for like memorizing shit. So there's a blue scholar bar about that. So, Geo says a uh, slap by the teacher for having that bad gram, still passing all of them tests with bad manners. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, yeah, not doing dude. any of the homework, like getting in trouble, but still passing all of the tests. Right, and so like a lot of my teachers are cool. I think they saw they're like, ah, this kid's smart enough, whatever. So like, honestly, they I probably should have been held back or whatever. But I didn't want to go to college, so I went to a music school in Fort Collins, and that's how I ended up in Fort Collins. And uh, that was like a jazz and blues school. And that's where I learned kind of what I'm doing today. A lot of that jazz influence. Like, I really think jazz is the pinnacle of music theory. It is like, if you can play jazz, you can probably play anything. Aside from maybe metal. Like, some metal is really, really insane. The different Mm -hmm. modal structures and rhythmic structures they're doing and the speed that they're doing it at. So... But the overall progression, I guess, um, yeah, like the music school really influenced what I do today. And then DJing, like probably influenced a lot of my rhythmic structure. Oh, interesting. I never really wanted to DJ, but it was something where it was like, man, this is a music revolution happening. Like EDM in 2010 was like, like all of a sudden we were, we were going from listening to like, punk rock and stuff in like the early 2000s and like flow rider and hip-hop and stuff and then all of a sudden there's like dubstep yeah skrillex and all this crazy shit that was like never before heard i mean it'd been developed for decades before but it was definitely a music revolution yeah and in colorado like the demand for 
electronic music is so much higher than demand for like an acoustic act or something. So I just kind of like adapted to that. And I learned that I was like, man, this is actually really, really fun. You know, I'd go to clubs and I would be like, how are they doing this? Are they like making the music live? Like, how do they make the music? How are they putting these shows together? It's so much different than any show I've been to. Just a continuous stream of music for hours and hours, never stopping. Like a band stops and talks and plays a song, stops, talks. So that influenced me a lot. Now I'm just like a music theory nerd. Like I know all the science behind all that shit. And that's how I approach writing my songs. I'm like, what's something weird I can do? Like, I'm never going to write a one, four, five song again. I'm never going to play G, C, and D. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Joe. Love you guys. I don't think it's bad. <laughs> I don't think it's bad, but that's not my vibe. That's not what I want yeah. to do. So I guess that, was, that would be my whole progression. All the way from, like, my childhood to now. Like, those are all the, the things that I guess have developed my music to this point. I think of you and I's friendship kind of coming to because you're gonna be in my wedding man yeah dude we are like i consider you a best friend man. i'm gonna be posted up right next to him bro that's right with a suit yeah you are i'm yeah. gonna be like are you ready to burn this shit down quinn and then he's gonna play a song i hope yeah if you want i'm to. down dude where that was where our friendship came to that level around 2016 2017 yeah about when i moved back Right, you were living here, you know, I and there was. weren't too many folk around to hang out with that I had like connections with. So right, you know, it was like you were in town. Ross Cook was in town. Willie Rats was in town. I was hanging out with all Kit these Frost was in town. Bit. Yeah, and we were all chilling. And you were like writing music and making an album. We would we would come over and play music, or like I guess in a lot of ways, like I would try to rap, and you would get lost, like in the in the piano and it was amazing and we would like try to record music a little bit and then a lot of those songs i remember you kind of being like dude i wrote this song and a lot of those songs turned out to be cuts that happened on jupiter but we were also hiking and we also share an affinity for like a love of the winds like Mm -hmm. just the rugged like oh my god i was i was on google maps and i just saw this lake that was like, it's like way the hell back there. It's crazy. This must be like this back there. Yeah, it's dude. Cra- just like, kind of like space in a way. You it know is. What I mean? Yeah, like another planet. The winds are like space. They're yeah. like the fucking ocean. Yeah. Like the winds are so, so we share that affinity for the winds. Um, and we were hiking and I was taking photos. I was really, really into photography at the time. Um, I had a chance to go out to Victor with you while you were yeah. recording um, Jupiter and also a, took a lot of those photos. Can you just tell us the story about Jupiter? Why the Jupiter is that name and the album artwork and how that came to yeah. fruition? And... So it's nothing like super, uh, super crazy, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was just like, so my mom worked at the Game and Fish and she was always handling this owl that they have and it's a it's a blind owl, so it would die in the wild. So they keep it in captivity, use it for education. It's been in like documentaries, all sorts of stuff like that. And I was like, I love that owl. Like it's a, ever since I was a little kid, we'd take mice to it and stuff. And so I was like, I just want to like a badass album cover where I'm holding, and the owl's name's Jupiter. So I was like, I just want an album cover where I'm holding Jupiter. Like, I think that'd be cool for like a solo album. 
And uh, so I just named it after him. And that's how the name came about. But, um, yeah. yeah, we were recording in Victor. You came down and, and took some photos. That was, like, the first process. I think it was my first um, time in an actual, like, recording studio. Yeah, and that studio was cool. Uh, the Hen House, Ben Winship. Um, he's got, I've heard some of his songs on, like, Wyoming Public Radio and stuff, too. He's another kind of local guy around the state. That's cool. That's pretty badass. But that was super fun. Um, and I recorded the, this was before Danny and Damien were playing with me in the band. I just had all those songs that I'd written, like, around the time when you and I were hanging out. But I knew there were all these musicians between Wyoming and Colorado that I had met throughout the years that were, like, super good. And so Dave Bundy and Andy Peterson, out of uh, Dave's from Driggs, Andy's from Jackson, they did the bass and the drums on the album. We recorded there in, um, in Victor. You came and took pictures. And Connor, my buddy I went to that jazz school with in Fort Collins, uh, he played piano really good and was taking piano lessons and stuff down in, in Fort Collins from this really good jazz musician. And so he was supposed to fly to Jackson. Mm. And it was going to be kind of like how I did this last EP. We're all going to get in a room and we're all going to record at the same time. And like it's going to be live takes, like no overdubbing and multi-tracking, like getting confusing with it. Connor's flight got delayed like eight hours and then they just canceled his flight and then there were no other flights to Jackson for like four days. So he just sat in the Denver International Airport for like 12 hours just like waiting. And so he never got to come up to Victor to do that with us. So then I had to be like, well, Connor works at the studio down in Fort Collins, does mixing down there. So I'm going to have to drive down and we'll multi-track Connor's piano. And then that's when we fell down, like, this rabbit hole. Connor works in the studio. The guy who owns it doesn't care if we just hang out. Like, he just is like, all right, you guys got it. And he leaves. He's given us a discount. This guy's studio is insane, too. He's got, like, a grand piano. He's got a separate drum room. He's got a, or a Hammond B3 organ with a Leslie. He's got Wurlitzer electric pianos from, like, the 70s. He has a sitar. Like, whoa, I mean, he's got so much shit. So after a while, we realized, like, we just started going down this rabbit hole of like, well, does this song need sitar in it? (laughs) You know, like, we just started getting weirder and weirder. And like, well, what if we hire a saxophone player to do this? And like, what if this song could be good with that Hammond organ? None of us played those instruments. So like Connor hit up his piano player, Mark Sloniger, who's like a phenomenal guy. He came in tracked some organ he did pian- the grand piano on um one of our jazz songs and then he knew a saxophone player that guy came in um i did like a hundred vocal takes because i was being picky about how my voice sounded you know we would spend like 14 hours in the studio just recording all that shit and finally it just like racked up so much of a bill that i was like i can't really afford it like we gotta just accept it as it is so then since Jordan and I were hiking all the time and we would go to Atlantic city, we'd go to miners delight. Like we were always cruising around in the desert and up in the mountains and he always had a camera. So he was always taking pictures and I wanted all of his pictures to be on the album. So I made the whole jewel case with all the like fold out thing. Oh, yes. And had, I remember this. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so cool. There's like so many great pictures he came out and took a picture, the picture of me with the owl that I wanted. And I was like, let's do it in Miner's Delight. 
because that's like such a cool old ghost town that oh, it's yeah. sunrise yeah right at sunrise and the owl was like sleepy it was freaking out because they're like, like nocturnal you know he was like dozing off you know and then he'd like flap his wings at me you know trying to chill him out he was like i want to go home and so we snapped a couple quick pictures and yeah. got him back home jordan got a hold of him yeah they're, they're so pretty cool. cool if you ever get a hold of great horned owl it was like he, i was wearing this glove and his head was turned around and then he just like turned around and looked at me with his eyes and they dilated and then i felt his talons like through the glove like crazy powerful like beautiful animals yeah yeah they're cool i'll never forget being able to hold jupiter yeah that was crazy and he he has uh, retinal degeneration so he can't see like super good he's not like Mm. completely blind but he can still see shapes and stuff Mm. he's definitely it's kind of scary though too because you're like man he would totally fly off and if he did he he wouldn't be able to survive so like he's got the leather straps like falconers have around his talons and like you're fucking holding on those things like I can't let this thing go like the game and fish will have my head on a pike. <laughs> like, uh, I'm probably not even supposed to be holding this thing. <laughs> like, but no, I've done a, a lot of cool stuff with my mom when she worked with game and fish. Like we went out to Shirley Basin and did studies on um, golden eagles out there. And I got to hold a couple golden eagles. And Wild. It's really trip. So like, um, you get a rabbit as bait. They, you get a, a domesticated golden eagle or one that's you know kind of like Jupiter, has some disability that it can't survive in the wild. And another golden eagle will see that one feeding on the ground and will swoop down to see what's up. So you stake the domestic eagle on like a, a, a rope to the ground by the owl or by, by the rabbit. You always face, like eagles will want to feed with their backs to the wind. So you like face the rabbit towards the wind and put like a jaw trap and the jaw trap has padding on it. So it just kind of like squeezes their leg and then they can't fly with the weight of it, but it doesn't like crush their leg or hurt them or anything. And when you get up to them, they're like pissed and they're huge and like terrifying, you know, but you put that hood over them and once they can't see, they just like they're docile and you can like grab their wings and like stretch their wings out and you measure them. Grab the other wing, measure it, uh, draw some blood <laughs> from it to send it for testing and stuff, you know, like analyze it for all sorts of, you know, whatever they do. I'm not a biologist, but uh, they they wow. look at it and everything. And then they're like, do you want to let it go? You know, you kind of hold it and kind of lift it up and it'll fly. Put the glove on, take the hood off. And that thing turned and looked at me and it was just like... Like, like, and it it like st- bit me like but i had this denim jacket on and it like punctured through the jacket wow like, no was, like, way so my mom took a picture of me and i'm like terrified holding this thing i'm like oh fuck <laughs> and uh, you just kind of lift it like that and let it fly off you know Crazy. you're kind of like i'm not a threat man just there you go yeah like go, go about your day but yeah, I've got to do a lot of cool shit like that. I love birds of prey. The first, for all of our listeners, the first 20 minutes of this episode was, uh, lots was being discussed. Some of it, all of it. Very good, actually. Um, I, I mean, just really mostly about swimming and things that, you know, are, are fun and the swim team. And do you want to, 
do I talk oh, about that or no? I could yeah, cu- yeah, I could cut uh, any of this out. It's not. Yeah, what were we talking? We were talking about back when I was a lifeguard in high school. Yeah, how we would break into the swimming pool. <laughs> And so we would go in and, like, sit in the hot tub all the time. You know, sometimes we'd go in and, like, other lifeguards would be sitting in the hot tub. So one day after my lifeguarding shift, instead of going to the locker room and changing, I went into the little storage room and, like, slid inner tubes over myself. And (laughs) I, like, hid inside the hole of, like, ten inner tubes stacked up above me. And the janitor was, like, walking around the pool like turning all the lights off he came into that storage room and was like right next to me like putting things away on the shelves i was just standing there like trying not to breathe and he like turned the light off i heard him like i heard him close the door and leave waited a little bit longer got out of the tubes and went over to the door on the other side of the pool where i knew they didn't have cameras and i let all my friends in and we were in there floating around on the floaty things and playing on the mats and jumping off the diving board, climbing on the wall. And we had that big inflatable iceberg day at the time and we pulled it out and we were, uh, we were jumping out on the high dive onto it. That, that was like tradition for the swimmers, wasn't it? To like break into the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, to like, kind of like, like everybody did all the time, you know, since like the nineties, even probably before that, like yeah. I heard stories about like, in that janitor's closet, it goes downstairs into a basement, and there's, like, this cave that wraps around. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the hell it's for. Like, oh, it's filch, right? It, yeah, it's, we called it the filch cave, and, like, filch was, like, the rat lord that lived back in there and would hide away. Did you invent filch? I invented filch, yeah. Before Harry Potter? Wow. Yeah, so... <laughs> Just so interesting. So, so filch was, like, was like wow. the, the Harry Potter teacher, but I, yeah. like... To filch something is to like steal, you know, and just like mess so, something up. Like if I if I like went in your room and filched it up, I would like destroy everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like if you're filching around, you're like oh my God. you're like rubbing your you're, you're lurking like, ru- yeah. like a rat, like rubbing your hands, you know. Yeah. Everything so, about now that character makes so much sense to me. In Harry Potter, yes, because he is a filch. Yes, he definitely He's filches a filch, about. Yeah, yeah. And that makes so much sense. Guys, I learned yeah. something new today. Anyway, So Filch continue. was like this creature I invented that was like a rat creature. He was like a hominid, like bipedal <laughs> hominid. Like a rat. Shout out to John Mainzinski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Bigfoot would probably kick Filch's ass though. Probably so. Filch would like, he'd Filch away. Because Filch, if you, <laughs> Bigfoot would kick any Filch's ass. Bigfoot's like the opposite of any sort of creature that is a Filch. Yeah, yeah. Sly, secretive creatures. Like to Filch, it can be an action. Or it can be mm-hmm. a name, you know. It could. Yeah. It's a noun and an adjective, like you're you are a filch, or you are you mean filching like a around or a verb. Yeah, you could be a filchy. I, like filch, I said uh, earlier, I did bad in high school. That's okay. But, it could be an adjective. That's a great. A filchy is a great adjective. Yeah. yeah. Filching about. What are you doing? Filching around over there. <laughs> Why are so you such filchy. a filch? Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. So that cave was where filch resided. What were some of like your favorite? Swim, land or swim team traditions. I mean, none of the traditions were good. They all were like gross or involved pain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you get like, like people would come up and rip your leg hair out. Like you'd Ow. be sitting in in the lane, like resting, and someone would go like 
subsurface, like a submarine, and just sneak up to you and fucking rip your leg hair out. How? You know? What can you... Um, t- sorry, head. I keep... Or, hearing. like, basically, like, borderline drowning people, you know? I think they kind of put an end to a lot of the stuff sure, in this modern age, but, like, yeah, like, you know... What can you tell me about the Slapped on the back when you're wet. Oh, no. And then you get a big... Welt. Welt handprint. Or, yeah, the gauntlet. You cut your hair, and then you have to swim, like, 100 meters or 100 yards. It'd be if you cut and your hair before state, right? Before state, yeah, because you want your hair to be long for the drag. So you're training with all that drag, and then at state, you shave it all off. And, and you're just like, whoosh, you're whoosh, zooming. Yeah. yeah. So, like, people would have their hair down to here, and they'd be like, oh, it's all shaggy. It's in my eyes. And they'd cut it, and it'd be like, shame, shame. So you'd have to swim the gauntlet. Everybody would take those wading boards, those yeah. and you'd be swimming. They'd be whacking you on the back. Oh, God. On either side, you know? <laughs> really? Is I've heard about the gauntlet. I know a few people that got the gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a sketch. Just know if you're listening to this, things were discussed in this episode that we we cannot that can never see the light of day. But we sure had fun talking. But about But we had them. very. This yes, is indeed. one of the most fun episodes I've I've had, and um, I'm glad that it that it's this way. I'm glad that I get a, that I get to do surgery on this episode. Um, you're my dude, man. I'm so glad we had you on. Love you, Dad. Yeah. Love you. Thanks for okay, having but, me. But the Love last you, question that. I ask everybody. Yes. What is your favorite lander smell? Dude, the summer smell like yes. that. That uh, I don't even like know how to describe night? it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I so think good. it's kind of like maybe a marshy smell. Like, because mm-hmm. there's so much water or something. I can't pinpoint what exactly <clears throat> it is. But it's stronger at night. Yeah. Too. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Because it smelled that way last night. And it like did. every once in a while then you get like a little bit of pine. You get a little bit of yeah, like Yeah, it's like a blend of like pine and sage and like yeah, water. So yeah, it's a unprecedented. And that's like such a weird thing. It's like the smells of different places. Like Fort yeah. Collins has its own smell too. Missoula That's like has nostalgic to me. And mm-hmm. it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Or uh, my, my mom just bought a bunch of stuff back from my grandma's house in Massachusetts. And it's very moist out there. Yeah. I don't, it's not like a mildewy smell. It's not like a moldy smell. Like, I don't, that's yeah, like the I only exactly way I can describe it, but yeah. like, it makes it sound bad. It's a good smell. Yeah, though. it's not bad. It's not like a mold. Hi, <sighs> right, dog. Cool. It was good to be best. on. Let's go hike the falls, huh? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Hell yeah. Hell this yeah. is Jordan. This is Amara. This, this is Lander. Quinn. This is <laughs> Quinn. <laughs> Big Q baby, but not like Q and on all roll